Welcome to Sold Out Sports Talk with your host, Roman Gabriel III. Up-close conversations with high-impact personalities from the world of sports and entertainment. Follow Roman on Twitter and Facebook at RomanGabriel3. This is a best-of edition of Sold Out Sports Talk. Today's show will feature interviews with Matt Stover of the NFL Super Bowl champion Ravens and Andrew McLovin-Perloff from The Dan Patrick Show. Visit SoldOutTV.com for all things faith, family, and sports 365 days a year. And follow Roman on Facebook at the Roman Gabriel III fan page. Now, here's Roman Gabriel III. A good buddy of ours, Matt Stover, is coming in. And, uh, Matt, you know what winning a Super Bowl is all about. We were just talking about, you know, show the guys their ring, man. Well, this is the one that uh, the Ravens gave me for being in the ring of honor. I've got a couple a more beauty. in my pocket, but it's no, a little sure. ostentatious. That's, yeah. a, that's beautiful. Hey, yeah. uh, this is a good place for ostentatious. <laughs> I'll tell you a quick story. Rocky Blyer came in here yesterday had one of his rings on. And so I, I said, put it in the camera. He said, you want to see the other three? <laughs> he reached in his pocket, pulled them out, and put them on. You guys, everybody's got them in their pocket. I love this. I said, so you do that. this is great. And then you do this. This is this. great. Yeah, oh, so you do that. Oh, man. <laughs> but I was it's laughing. a little too much, uh, right? It is. It is. <laughs> but what was funny was, is I said, Rocky, I said, don't lose them, man. Take them in and out of your pocket, getting up and down all the way. Yeah. But I, said, I don't want to have you losing rings here. Uh, they're insured. Oh, they're, yeah. Well, there you go. There you go. Matt's over it's with us. It's all good. Yeah. But, you know, Matt, we were talking about the fact you're always surprised by the stories, uh, whether they're young players, whether they're veterans. Um, I've been really pleased with both the Eagles and the Patriots this year and their life stories, right. face stories, and how they fit into where they are today. We talked about how teams are put together, and these two are put together as good as they, good as they get. You know what that's all about. Absolutely, Roman. When you look back at my career in the 20 years, one of the things that I tried to do as a leader, now I wasn't an upfront leader, a kicker, really. So what I, what I tried to do is learn my teammates' stories and try to know where they came from so that therefore I can empathize and actually minister to them in different ways, whether it was through family, through their career, sometimes it was finances. Um, and you look at them, they're just normal guys. Most of us, I would say, have uh, a talent that we've been able to develop, but you get down to the nitty-gritty, we're just normal guys who uh, who just found what, what our little niche. And um, you can empathize with certain passions that they take out on the field. Uh, for instance, this year they took the knee. Right. And that was a difficult situation for a lot of the guys. They, they were inflamed. They had a lot of passion behind their action. I, you know, My whole principle on that is I wish they wouldn't have done that because there's other ways of handling it and getting a better result for it. But uh, I also empathize with some of the guys who did on the Ravens. Right. I knew their story. I understood it. And, uh, it, would, it, it and the empathy, I think, is incredibly to know that when you do – see that these guys have struggles just like everybody else and that you could be uh, maybe a beacon of hope for them in the locker room. That Matt makes a lot. Matt with us on Sold Out Sports Talk. And, you know, Matt, what I really get excited about is this re-energized me this week because I've talked to so many young players, so many guys middle of their career, so many guys at the end of their career. Uh, but the theme is faith, family, and football, and you see the great things that these guys are doing that nobody knows about. Uh, they're just out there doing their thing, right? And it impresses me that the large percentage of the guys are making a difference, having an impact, have a great attitude. Yeah. And they don't need television cameras to, right. to tell somebody. So they should go do their thing, right? Well, that's what I do every day yeah. with my Players Philanthropy Fund, Roman. Right. You know, I'm helping and assisting them 
with a foundational, uh, with their foundations. Basically, they don't have a foundation. They come inside of the player's philanthropy fund, and they operate as if they did have one, and I protect the back office piece for them to make sure they're compliant. So there are hundreds and hundreds of athletes out there that are doing great, great work, and they're utilizing that and finances is a part of it through their foundational work. So uh, you look at the Philadelphia Eagles, you look at the uh, New England Patriots, every team is so much like that across the league. And to see it come forward in the Super Bowl on this platform, you know, and to hear these stories and actually get intimate like you're saying, and to see some of these good guys' great work, uh, it's fun to be a part of. And I was able to be a part of that as well while I was you playing. You played long enough. I had, uh, I had a guy on a couple days ago, a 13-year guy with Buffalo, and, and he was talking about the transition of being a rookie to the middle of his career to the end of the career, how your priorities change, your perspective changes, and yeah. your life changes. Sure. And you were in that long enough. How, how did that impact you when you first came in the league, middle of it, and the end of it in terms of who you became as a person? Well, at the very beginning of my career, um, my faith was very superficial. It wasn't deep and intimate. Uh, and from that point, uh, when I did start kicking for the uh, Browns, uh, I was really very deeply taken down on my knees and saying, Lord, my identity's all caught up in this NFL and I need to change my priorities. So it went from the football as first to my faith and I was married and I came my family and my wife were, uh, we were even a, a higher priority and then football. And when I understood where those priorities should be, it gave me freedom. And I don't think a lot of people understand that, that the freedom to fail, right, is so empowering. It's so, uh, it gives you the ability to perform at a level you would never think of. And as an athlete, if it is your world as a uh, football player or a, a golf, whatever it is, if that is your identity and it's all right and things don't go well, you're going to get paralyzed and you're not going to perform. But the freedom to fail is, I think, a critical piece that we need to have as athletes. And that's where my faith and my, my family and my priorities became such a big issue. I've had so many guys tell me about people that took them under their wing, whether that was a one-time experience with a coach or whether that was a player who taught them how to have a perspective on and off the field and be a professional. Was there somebody like that in your life uh, when you came into the league? Brian Hansen, 17-year uh, pro, 18-year pro um, as a punter. And he was there in 1991 through 1993 with me at the uh, Cleveland Browns. Uh, I don't know if you've seen the 30-30 with the Bills. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm part of that. Yeah. It's pretty cool. And um, so I was part, I was drafted by Bill Parcell in 90 and then Bill Belichick in 1991. I went to the Browns when he became the head coach there, and uh, they brought in Brian Hansen. And he was he was uh, 10 years in, into the league. He was 32 years old, had a family, and he gave me a beacon, a light to look at and see what it was supposed to be, what a faithful guy he was as a husband, as a father. And then I understood where my faith needed to go, and he was a big, huge part of that. And obviously as a player, being around that long was what you want too, that Absolutely. stability. So it's very interesting to me that, that how the stories change as you go forward. Uh, did you shift at the end of your career to, to being more aware of, hey, how can I be an impact on my teammates or help somebody like somebody helped me? I was challenged at the very beginning of my career. Um, Tom Petersburg, the chaplain on the uh, Cleveland Browns at the time, really showed shared with me how to share my faith and how to really connect with players, and he modeled it. He was the perfect person for that. And then I go to the Baltimore Ravens when the Browns moved to the Baltimore in 1996. Joe Ehrman then, right. then shared awesome. with me exactly how to do it. Awesome. And, you know, Joe is was a mentor of mine for four years. 
And, and has been uh, mentoring coaches for years. Unbelievable. You know, with the, uh, I forget the name of his. Uh, uh, Got a couple books that were yeah. wonderful. Well, The Seasons of Life and yeah. a few yeah. other things. Uh, but with regard to him and then Larry Moody and uh, Dave Kruger, these men who work for Search Ministries, they're the PGA golf chaplains right now. And um, these men came around me and really shared with me how to mentor and how to be an example. And I think the most important thing that I had to do in the locker room is be Matt Stover, don't be anybody else, walk the walk. And when you are consistent with that walk, then in return, they pay attention to it. Trust me, they're watching. You have a bad day, which I've had, they're watching and they're saying, all right, what are you going to do now, Stove? Right. You know, how are you going to react now? I mean, I went 0 for 3 in 2005, first game of the season, Sunday night football, missed all three field goals, lost the game, really. And I took it on my back. Brutal. And they come, well, where are you going to go? You know where I went? I went back to work. I fought. I missed one field goal for the rest of the year. One field goal. And they looked back at that, and they remembered that. Wow. Said, you showed me a lot about your faith because it wasn't just about the kick. It had to be so much more than that. So those are the stories that I think are most important. Myself in the locker room, model it first. Earn the right to speak. Learn the other player's story so that you can speak truth into their situation. And then from there, you've got a great opportunity to be influential for the rest of their lives. Matt Stover, how do they find uh, your website in terms of athletes and uh, football players and others that want to get some help? Well, thanks, on Roman. www.ppf, that's Players Philanthropy Fund, .org. And what we do, we're a donor advised fund. We're a fiscal sponsorship model that allows athletes to come in, set up an account, and actually have the ability to operate as if they had their own foundation. But we do all the dirty back work. And why am I doing that? Because it's necessary. And it's I just, where it goes wrong for a lot oh, of these young guys. They don't too. know the office piece. They don't know the compliance piece. And my uh, partner and I, who's actually my counsel, is uh, Andrew Morton. Mm -hmm. And he works with over 60 high-profile celebrities and athletes. And he is my compliance attorney. And we work in conjunction with one another because I know I'm not a lawyer. But I know how to develop the relationships right. and the trust with these trust. guys and put the system together for them to operate through. With other, whether it's their financial advisor, whether it's their agent, uh, their wife, whoever it is, and I keep it clean so that their brands don't get tainted. Matt Stover, Super Bowl champion, but more importantly, a guy who made a huge impact in a lot of guys' lives. Matt, thanks for coming in on Sold Out. I've been trying to get this guy on one for three years. Oh, you know how hard it is. To get a major A-list star That's like right. Andrew McLovin Perloff. At least an A minus. More like a D minus, but <laughs> yeah. Andrew Perloff, quotation McLovin. I'm gonna say it. My wife's not here. It's my favorite sports show to watch. Yes. Yes. I mean, in the morning, I try to capture at least an hour and a half, and then I tape the rest. But uh, I appreciate that. Uh, you're my favorite guy on the show. Get out of here. I am. You are. Get out of here. You, because you. Fantasy football guy, quarterbacks, yeah. NFL, yeah. draft guy. Eagles. Eagles, exactly. Yeah. So when you start talking quarterbacks, I'm going, I think I've I think I've uh, uh, Twittered you a few times on some of the quarterback statements you've made and some of the things you've done, but you love you love the NFL, man, so that's what I, I like about it. Oh, I've always loved it. You know, Eagles being here is a big deal to me. I grew up, like, in Philadelphia. Did you, you never lived in Philadelphia, did you? Uh, you know, I lived in California when my dad played for Philly. Oh, but really? I got to know all the people in Philly. I mean, yeah, Eagles are such a big deal, and also NFL Films was right around the corner. Like Jersey, really, I loved all sport. 
Yeah, it was actually started in Lower Marion, Pennsylvania, Didn't where right? I'm from. Yeah, I think the Sables started in a storefront in Pennsylvania, then moved to Jersey. Don't quote me on that. But, like, I, we used to get out of school. Uh, they did an assembly where they showed the Eagles highlight film. And back then, as you may know, the Eagles highlight films were not great. But it was such a big deal, and I love football. I love all sports, but football, like, for me, like, Eagles, I think a lot of people in Philadelphia can relate to this. It's a little deeper than the Phillies and the Sixers and the Flyers. How old are you? I'm 46. Okay, so you would remember Jaws and Wilbur Montgomery. Yeah, yeah. I was at the 80 uh, NFC title game. Oh, you were? Yeah, it was freezing. Uh, me and my dad, it was a big memory for me. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah, but, I but you know what? It almost, it, they almost won the Super Bowl that day because to overcome the Cowboys in the championship game, uh, it was almost like we did what we've been trying to do for years. By the time they got to the Super Bowl, it was like, I don't even, as big a game as it was, that Cowboys game for Eagles fans was out of this world. Yeah, I mean, you remember the city is a, like a mess back then, too. Philadelphia was at a huge depression, and Dallas was like the nemesis, everything bad. You're exactly right. When Wilbur Montgomery went, had that long run, it right. was like breaking a dam. You know, it stunk to lose the Super Bowl as a fan, but that's 100% true. That was the real hurdle. Yeah, I remember watching the game, and, uh, and what's crazy is, is my first team was the next year, I, I watched it with my buddies in college, and I went to the Raiders. So, yeah. like, when I stepped in there, they just won the championship, beat the Eagles, and I'm like, okay, i got to get into this Raider thing because <laughs> I'm, 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 like, one of them. So, uh, Al Davis, you know, first time he came in the room, he had, like, the terry cloth going, yeah. the white terry cloth, the big ring, no hair way. back, yeah. dark glasses, chains. So, like, he's in, in person exactly like yes. you see him on TV. There's Every day no, of practice. That's not an act. That's what he's terry like. cloth, white terry cloth. And same thing, man, same thing. Yeah. And when we went to, after the draft, we went to uh, the facility for three days to get our playbooks, you know, to go, do a practice for free agents and rookies to go yeah. through the program. And we're sitting in this kind of like a hangar, right? And then there's this huge 30-foot pride and poise Raiders head on the wall. Oh, no and then we had like three rows of chairs. So we're all just sitting in there with a podium waiting for Al Davis to come in. Wow. And so he comes in with all the stuff, the garb, the whole thing, just like you see him, you know, regularly. You know, cool dude. Back then he was pretty young. And uh, he came to the podium and he said like two sentences. He went, you know, if you're not you're not here to win the Super Bowl, then you need to just get up and leave now. Wow. And then he just said, win, expletive, win, baby, and walked out. That's great. So that was your first speech with Al. And so you seem to have a real positive memory of him. Right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, because, you know, I, I know he rubbed some people the wrong way. No, especially but in the NFL players league he took care of in a yeah, big way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, really stuff that nobody knew about. So when you talk to players, they loved him. You know who um, – uh, I'm good friends with Dr. Z. I worked at Sports Illustrated yeah. with him. He used to tell these amazing stories. Al didn't trust the press, and he used to he kicked Dr. Z out. All Dr. Z, Paul Zimmerman, the famous Sports Illustrated right. football writer, he would make him get out of the bus. He was always paranoid that reporters were trying to steal some information. Right. Does that sound right? Well, the training camp we were at was in Santa Rosa, so that's like 45 miles outside San Francisco. He purchased a motor lodge. Oh, wow. And put, built all the practice fields out there. So we were in the middle of nowhere for training camp for six weeks, right? Yeah. I mean, it was just, I mean, you, nobody even knew where it was unless you were like beat writer or somebody who knew what they were doing. That's, that's kind of cool. Yeah, I think that's yeah. how training camp probably should be. It's probably yeah. better. Well, than... back then training camp was training camp. Like some of the guys come by, I, I had uh, Devon McDonald came by today or yesterday, and he, he said the problem with the league today is, we, we only hit once a week. Yeah. And we don't even take anybody down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. it's just so wrap really up. Yeah. But, you know, back then you practiced two hours and you hit. Yeah. And you scrimmaged. So, wait, do you think the quality of play is worse today? A little Big stop. time. Yeah. Quality I, tackling's I, I, terrible. 
Right, but people want offense. So is that is that well? They okay want thing? offense, but um, if you talk to like that's what this this whole this whole moving dummy thing that they're doing right now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, where they can now hit hit something that moves that can simulate football. Do you think it does the trick? Yeah, it does. I yeah. was talking to the coach, and I was talking to uh, uh, it was one of the one of the players represented. He was a linebacker, and he said. It's one of the few things I've ever seen because tackling dummies just stand there. You know, people don't stand there in a game. Yeah, yeah. Because this thing can juke, can move. So if you're you're getting your angle as a linebacker on a flat pass, yeah, it can do this or do this and move forward at as much as 12 miles an hour. Yeah. So, so he said you real you have to zone in on it and you can really hit it and take it down as opposed to a player where you're having to let up. Yep. And just wrap. Well, you know, you know where that started, Dartmouth College, where I went. The did Dartmouth you know that Dartmouth, uh, Buddy Tevens, the coach there, start really revolutionized that percent. We talk a lot on the Dan Patrick Show about Dan's a big proponent of, of rapping. He's like Ray Lewis didn't just blow up people; he rapped them. I don't know if that's true, and I don't know why Dan Patrick thinks he's. An well, Dick Buckus did the same thing. Yeah. Oh, he was a rapper. He was yeah. a rapper. I mean, yeah. he, he drove. What you did is you drove, you wrapped up and drove through. Okay, so we were talking uh, when these guys came here. We changed our format this year and went with yeah. no table and you know just a kind of a conversation. This is style. great, yeah. Oh, thanks. Uh, I told him, I said, he said, what do you want your look to be? Um, the commercial break on the Dan Patrick show is what I want my show to look like. I love it. That's perfect. It's the best part of the show, right? Yeah, we're just hanging out. Yeah. We're just guys hanging out. And, and what's great is the box is great, but you never know. Some of the One time during the hour, your commercial, you guys just break it. Yeah. It, it just goes kind of suddenly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, oh, I- and suddenly when it does that, I'm like, no. No, what it, I want well, to hear the rest of that. Where do, it depends if you watch it on NBC or I watch it on DirecTV on audience. Oh, really? We shouldn't really break. Uh, I never know. The funny thing is we have no idea when the cameras are words because, you know, you just forget. Yeah. And sometimes they're all robotic cameras. You know that's all controlled out of L.A. Yeah. And we're in Connecticut. So we sometimes forget we're on camera. Well, what's your favorite part of the show? Uh, it's funny. I think, like, it's just like, for me, it's like they're five friends and something happens at night, I look forward to talking about it the next day. I'm like, if I see a, a interesting thing with LeBron, I'm like, oh, I can't wait to get to chop it up with the guys. Right. So it's just like really the friendship and talking with the guys, um, which we do. We do for a half hour before the show, and then once the show starts, we just continue that conversation. Well, that's what I was going to tell you. Your yeah. pre-show, how much do you really do? What, do you, what, what is the pre-show so like? We tape two set. We tape like little commercial breaks. Um, we have about a half-hour meeting. We get in at 7.00. So it's Eastern time. Uh, the Danettes get in at 7. Dan gets in about 7, 27, 25. We do a lot. So we tape a lot. We do tape some commercial reads, that kind of thing. Yeah. We do a lot, actually, yeah. So when you first came to the show, did you have expectations for what you were going to be? Or It's funny. I worked for Sports Illustrated. Dan left ESPN and came and did a deal with Sports Illustrated, and I got hooked. I was his editor on something. And he said, why don't you come out to the studio, and we'll see what happens. And then we were shooting a commercial, a faux commercial, and I was in it, and I killed my scene. And Dan's like, wheels are turning. And he's like, why don't you start coming up every day? And I worked it out business-wise. Uh, the problem for me, it's a long commute. I drive 70 miles from oh, my house right. to Dan. That's long. But it's worth it. I wouldn't do it if I didn't love the job. Right. Okay, so you're wearing glasses. Yeah. Part of the stick of the show is you've broken a lot of glasses. How, uh, how many pairs of glasses have you broken? One pair but of they glasses. keep showing it. They show it every day. I was spin, I was at a, in the box, a small control group. I was about to play the Globetrotters that night, my big celebrity night, and I decided to spin the ball, spins, bounces off the wall. Bang. And drills your glasses. My like expensive Oliver People's glasses. The other good one was the chair deal. 
That was that's not one funny. of the great. That was not but it funny. Hurt. Yeah, no. I knew it hurt because I've done that before. It actually didn't hurt. It was embarrassing. It didn't hurt at all. But it was just from the picture right here, you just disappeared. It's yeah. like I was watching. I looked. I said, "Where'd he go?" And then they showed it in like slow mo like ten thousand times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, uh, yeah, they're pretty much the only thing people remember. We do all this smart sports. Work. When you do sports, whether you're doing on field, whether you're doing a tape show or a live show, you want it to look natural. Yeah. You want it to be a conversation like you and me are having right here. Yeah. That's what the show feels like. It feels like you're just hanging out and you're talking some sports or talking whatever it is. And then you, whatever you want to talk about, you talk about until you're done. Yeah. Well, I think what Dan flipped the switch when he started showing the commercial breaks. I think everybody, everybody does that now. Everyone has a look in. But it set the tone like we're not just going to do the show. We're going to show you our lives around me. And it really just snowballed. But the pseudo fan. Yeah. The pseudo fan loves your show. Yeah. If it was just Dan doing sports, it'd be the hardcore guy like yes. ESPN. Yes. But my wife, she laughs. I mean, she yeah, goes, exactly. "I can't believe you watch the show." But it's, it's, it, but she, but she does. She's like, "What are they doing?" It's yeah. Like, you that, missed it in the commercial break. They were talking about this, and then they went back in. So, how long did it take you to get used to not like looking at, the, not being aware of the cameras? Um, not long at all. Like once you, actually, like a couple of weeks. You forget, because the cameramen were not in studio, it was robots. Uh, they're, like, right in front of me. Once in a while, they go, like, they move. And that's a little weird, but you get into it. You just get into it. Like, I mean, do you know? Do you play to your camera? There's a camera no, on us right now. No. Just It's just there. Yeah. yeah. Andrew Perloff with us, McLovin, on Dan Patrick's show. And, you know, one of the things that that's interesting to me also about the show is is just all the toys in there. Yeah. How you guys have created games. You know, like the toilet bowl seat. I mean, it's just great. Yeah, well, I don't who even thinks do. about throwing a football through a toilet bowl seat? Yeah, like a contest. Yeah, but that's what guys do, right? I mean, that's what we do growing up. You know, it's yeah. exactly what you did. I don't even know how half of this stuff started. Dan's a bit of a hoarder too, so he keeps everything. There's a back room that's like piled up with memorabilia. Like we'll get a memorabilia. Is like, that right? This is awesome. And then so you have actually a. You have a man cave's man cave where the oh, extra man cave goes. Absolutely, it's wow. crazy. Yeah. So he's a hoarder. He's a bit of a hoarder. We said it on air, so I, well, if he hears I, this. I, next time I see Dan, i got to tell him this because my wife has one criticism of the show. Too much stuff. She said, what is the desk? Yeah. That blonde guy doesn't even look like him. Lou, Hunt, uh, Lou Holtz. Yeah. Like, if I had Lou Holtz, there's this little Lou Holtz doll. That's the first thing. They see Dan and they see little Lou. And, yeah, everyone asks about him. Yeah. Okay, so family life. Yeah. When you guys aren't working together... You guys just have your separate families. You go, kind of go your separate ways. Is that right? Or uh, do you guys hang out a lot? We're all very friendly. Um, so a couple of guys live in Hartford uh -huh. near ESPN. I live in New York. Pauly lives in between. Uh, Dan lives in between. Like, I'll go to uh, Paul Paps' ski house with my family. All our families know each other really okay. well. We've been together about 10 years wow, now. Wow, 10 years now. Yeah, we all have kids the same age, except for Dan. But Dan, for example, every time we go out to dinner, he'll bring one of his kids. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, like, we know, we all know each other's families really, really well. Dan's a good father. Oh, Dan's a great father. You'll see him this weekend. You know, he's handing out the trophy on Sunday right. night. He's got, he's like, oh, uh, Jack's coming and Georgia might stop by and my wife's here. So, like, he's made it a family affair. He set the tone. I love when he says this, though. I hate it. I hate it when friends and family want to call me and say, can I, can I yeah. go to the hotel and hang oh. out? Can I get in your room and crash? That's, yeah, that's the best one ever. Oh. You guys were talking the other day about what do you say? Not yeah, but my buddy's here. 
I never figured that out, by the way. So if I look stressed, it's because I have a friend from Philadelphia coming in who I don't know if that happens to you at Super Bowl no. week, but can, can I sleep on your couch? I don't tell them where I'm staying. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I was too slow. I didn't. I couldn't think of anything at time. Man, that, that is awesome. Yeah. Andrew, I'm telling you, man, if, you, if, if I could get you on a tape show to come to my house with my wife, you would just – it's just the funniest thing because every day she goes, "Are you watching that show again?" Yeah, <laughs> and, it's, and, it, and it's like you got to turn it off. I got to do something. I got to concentrate. So, yeah, but but she she knows I love it. But it to, to me it just relaxes me. I just uh, it, it, I you know I can watch hardcore sports, but there's so much of it on that after about thirty minutes, even if they're great and it's interesting, I want to turn pressure, it off. Right? Dan yeah. Dan always pretends like he puts pressure on you to come up with great stuff. Oh, there but is. But the fans, but you, here's where you're blowing it, though. Yeah. And, and, and I'm watching yeah. the show, and you go, you know, the fans are really giving some interesting stuff here. They're writing them some great questions, some really, really yeah. sophisticated stuff. And he'll go, well, maybe I need to hire them. Yeah, yeah. I know. I, I you got to right stop up. doing that. Well, a lot of times we'll say things, and we'll say, I'm reading on Twitter. That means I have an idea where I'm not sure if Dan's going <laughs> to like it, so I'm blaming Twitter. I'll be like, yeah, Roman tweeted now if I think it's something. So I might lie. Okay, so here's the deal. I'm real careful about about. Tw- I don't. I, I do not tweet during the show. This Chris. I don't tweet during the show, man. I don't want to bother you. But I do tweet to you when I when you say something that I tweet during the show. It's not a bother. I'm on the yeah. computer reading. Yeah. No, I would love it. Yeah, there's been a few times where you've said some things that I've said. You know, here I've kind of giving you a little color on some of those things. Yeah, yeah. Anytime. Former quarterback show. speak. This is well worth the wait. Thanks, man. Thanks I really for coming appreciate- in, bro. You've been listening to Sold Out Sports Talk with Roman Gabriel III. Our podcasts are available at AFR.net. You can follow Roman on his official website, soldouttv.com, and on Facebook at Roman Gabriel III. We'll catch you next time on Sold Out Sports Talk, your source for faith, family, and sports.